Welcome back to A Minor Detail. My name is Ryan Miner. I am your host. You are listening to A Minor Detail on blogtalkradio.com slash A Minor Detail. Find us on the web at aminordetail.com. And boy, do I have some great stories posted to A Minor Detail right now. Go there and check it out as you're listening live. Of course, this show will be turned into a podcast afterwards. And we've since we've updated our website and have grown a little bit more tech savvy, I've developed an iTunes page. I have a TuneIn page, a Stitcher radio, and of course, you can listen at any time on SoundCloud. So several ways to listen to a minor detail. You don't have to listen just tonight, although it's great when we have a live audience, but that's okay. People are busy on Sunday nights. Um, just want to say one thing. If you are watching television and you're watching the hurricane coverage, um, I would encourage uh, you to find a charity of your choice and donate to the recovery efforts, either if it's for Hurricane Harvey, if it's for um, for Hurricane Irma or Jose or gosh, there's there's a lot going on. And Kim's parents are down in Port Charlotte and we're all worried and many, many people are evacuating and it's it's scary. So um, if we can do something to help, let's just try to do that. And um yeah, it's a, it's it's scary, but natural disasters, good lord. Um, so tonight the show is all about what's going on in the true Western Maryland, and I have the distinct privilege of having a reporter with me. His name is Greg Larry. Uh, Greg Larry, and he is a reporter and journalist for the Cumberland Times News. And Greg, welcome to the show. Hello, Ryan. Pleasure to be with you. First time. I'm glad you joined us, and I think we touched base last Monday or Tuesday, and I said, hey, Greg, could you come on the show? Because, listen, how often do we get to talk about what, what's going on up in Cumberland and what is really the true western Maryland of the state, really? How often? <laughs> Not a lot, and um, I'm glad that we can do that and uh, kind of talk about what's going on up in this part of the state and uh, – you know, let people uh, kind of update people on what's happening. So, you know, I'm glad that we can do it. Well, I appreciate it. I'm a big fan of your writing, of your journalism, and you've gotten to some great stories in the last couple of years. But first, I want to learn a little bit about you. Tell us how you got started in journalism, where you're from, what your interests are, and a little bit about the Cumberland Times News. Sure. Thank you for the opportunity, Ryan, and uh, it's a pleasure to be on. Um, yeah, I have been uh, at the Times News. I'm in my fifth year with the Cumberland Times News as a staff writer. Prior to that, I was working with a small weekly newspaper out of Romney, West Virginia, called the Hampshire Review. A uh, very nice uh, award-winning paper over there, and uh, they every Wednesday. And uh, spent uh, about four years there, and uh, that was prior to Cumberland. Cumberland prior to Cumberland uh, coming to the Times News, which is a lot closer to home for me. Um, so uh, prior to that, I was doing a lot of things in business. Um, I went to Allegheny, back then, Community College, so I'm dating myself, going back to the ACC days, and then uh, up to uh, Frostburg State University and got a bachelor's degree in economics and and did uh, spent uh, quite a few years in business, too, worked in real estate and um, in banking and, and uh, all 
always kind of wanted to do something more creative. So I always enjoyed writing, and any time I could do anything um, creative, and I enjoy the news. So uh, it was a uh, opportunity about ten years ago to start the Hampshire Review, and that worked out, and uh, and that uh, kind of landed me here at the Times. Five years I've been here, been here since then. That's a great. It's a great story. I I love people who started out in a career and then they shifted over into journalism. And I got to tell you, uh, I'm not anywhere close to the caliber of you are, but this is sort of a startup project for me. I'm passionate about journalism. I'm passionate about getting out the truth. I'm understanding that, especially where I live down here in Montgomery County, when the Gazette left us, there has been an absence of news. And we talk a lot about this with people running for county council at large, some of the candidates and they, they often lament the fact that we are lacking a, a news source. And so blogging is a little bit, it's a little bit different, but uh, Greg, I got to tell you, I hold myself to the same journalistic standards that you guys do in the big leagues. And when you write a story, I mean, I try to cover all sides fairly. And if you follow a minor detail, um, you'll discover I'm not going to pull any punches. Um, I just want the truth, and um, occasionally I editorialize, but um, I try to mix that up and make a clear distinction between my opinion and what is news. And so it's, um, it's, it's an interesting uh, pathway so, so far. This is a hobby for me, and I, uh, uh-huh. I love what I do, and I, I really enjoy doing this show and if we can get out a message and get another voice out there in media, especially in Western Maryland, I think that's an overwhelmingly uh, positive step forward. And where you are, Greg, you are it. The Cumberland Times News is that paper. How many regions do you cover? It's not just Cumberland. Is that correct? Uh, no, not just Cumberland. We do Allegheny and Garrett counties. And uh, we have a writer that focuses more on Garrett and uh, um uh, that's Elaine Blaisdell. She does uh, a good bit up on that uh, side of the state. And, uh, of course, we cover Mineral County, West Virginia. And, uh, you know, we're picked up uh, over in, across the line in Pennsylvania. And we go down to just about uh, around Hancock as far as going east. And uh, we are, uh, of course, Cumberland one time was second largest city in Maryland and uh, in just a, a right. really bustling place now. But, of course, our circulation is, isn't what it used to be, and the newspaper business is, uh, you know, it's a challenge. You know, with the digital age, it's, it's certainly a challenge. But, uh, but we're, yeah, we're one of the few news sources that, that covers it, uh, not just secondhand. We go out and um, seek out the stories. We go to the meetings. We interview the people. And, uh like you said, you know, it's important to shine a light on what's going on, and uh, I think that helps everybody. So, uh, yeah, we're glad to do it, and, um, you know, put, we're putting the paper out every day, every morning. <laughs> I love it. I love that old-school traditional newspaper. I still get a hard copy every day of the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post, and when I was living in Hagerstown, I read a hard copy of the Herald Mail, and I still I still read. I'm a fervent reader of my uh, my hometown newspaper. And I want to give a shout out. I have a close friend who lives in uh, Cumberland uh, or uh, actually well, Lycoming and his name's Mark Greenwald and he works at the paper. He's a good buddy of mine. And I don't know if oh, you're okay. familiar Mark, with Mark. Yes. Yeah. I know I know Mark, yeah. <laughs> Great guy, tremendous person. I um we we've, we've been friends for some time now. So 
when I'm up in Cumberland, I try to visit with Mark and he's busy. We're, we're busy, but he's become a good friend of mine. So sure. look, I, I think that, um, Oh, I wanted to mention one thing I saw on your Facebook. You're in a band. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my first loves, uh, Brian, I started playing guitar when I was 16 and uh, I think my mother would have re- rather listened to uh, two cats fighting than me trying to learn guitar. <laughs> but nonetheless, she did, and uh, she suffered through this that first year. And it's just been a passion of mine. I've stayed with it. And, yeah, I've played with bands, di- different different configurations and groups. And uh, currently, uh, currently, if I can put a plug in, I'm in a band called Night Traveler. So. I'm still out there, a weekend warrior, playing some music, uh, you know, whenever I can. Not every weekend, but uh, fairly steadily. My, my son's in a band, and he plays he plays drums. He also plays guitar, and I used to play mm-hmm. saxophone. And the funny story, I went to school at Duquesne University for my undergraduate in Pittsburgh, and I started out in the school of music. I was actually going to become a music teacher before I majored in mm. politics and then come to think of it, I should have majored in something different, but that's a whole other conversation. But <laughs> um, look, I, I love oh, music yeah. too. And one of these days I'm going to get up and see your band. Um, my son is in a band called the nauseous hippos. So it's he and a few of his friends and they're pretty good. I got to tell you where they play classic rock music. So a little bit of Led Zeppelin, Aerosmith bands like that. So we, yeah, we good love that stuff. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, I could talk more about music all night if you really wanted to, but we got some politics to talk about and some uh, what's sure. happening up in Cumberland. So when when people think of Cumberland, they probably think of um, a few different hot stories right now, or and if not, we're going to let them know what's going on. So first question for you tonight, Greg, is just what is going on and Allegheny County and Cumberland and the area. What are these hot stories that are happening? Well, I would say some of the top things going on right now is there's uh, been a lot of uh, movement uh, politically uh, early this year, particularly in the race for county commissioner. Um, And, and Ryan, you're probably aware that uh, the deadline is February 27th, so people still have five months to put their name in the hat and to file for uh, to be a candidate but we're having a lot of interest this year early uh we have um, all incumbents over there in that rate have indicated they will run and we have some newcomers that have already signed up so that's probably one of the um top current news stories uh that we're following uh right now in the in the city uh uh the not that many so far for city council or as few candidates signed up. But, but like I said, it's kind of early for us, all these folks to be wanting to move to the uh, county uh, county commission. Yeah. Uh, so looking at who has filed, there is Dave – and help me out with his last name because I don't want to mispronounce it. It's D- How do you say Dave's last name, who Republican filed Caparelli. for county commission? Caparella? Caparelli. Uh-huh. Okay. So then then we have um, Commissioner Bill Valentine. He's a friend of mine, um, great guy. And then Jake Shade has also indicated that he, too, will run for reelection. So who is who is the third county commissioner? Yeah, third county commissioner is a fellow named Creed Brody, Jr. And uh, Creed is from the George's Creek area. 
And uh, he also works for the LaValle Sanitary Commission uh, full-time in the daylight, daytime job. And in the evenings, he's county commissioner. So, yeah, it's a three-panel commission with, uh, as you said, uh, Jake Shade, Bill Valentine, and Creed Birdie Jr. And is Creed considering running for re-election? Yeah, I spoke with Creed uh, last week. Uh, when all this uh, came about uh, with um, Dave Caparelli um, uh, throwing his hat in the ring, as well as uh, Jake Shade, everybody was kind of waiting to see what Jake was going to do because he had expressed, uh, at least we'd heard through the grapevine, that he expressed interest in the delegate, maybe uh, trying to get a delegate seat. Uh, especially in light, and I'm sure we'll we'll end up there. And mm-hmm. <laughs> at C1C, which has been uh, in in some uh, uh, turmoil lately, uh, with a, a delegate to Mike McKay, uh, at, at some at one point indicating he was not going to return. Uh, that, uh, this was going to be his final um, term there in 1C. Um, so um, yeah, when Jake came out and said that uh, no, he wanted to be on the Allegheny County Commission and he planned on uh, running again, and uh, things sorted to to move from there. But uh, so Jake uh, Jake has indicated to me he will um, he'll be running. And Bill put his name in the hat. Uh, I think back in June, it might even been May. So mm-hmm. he filed his paperwork, and he is all he is officially on the ballot. He is he's got his name in with the election board. And then Creed gave me uh, over the phone uh, speaking with him in an interview. He verbally told me he was definitely going to seek reelection. So we're going to have all three incumbents back in it and um, uh, seeking to retain their seats. Well, that's interesting. So let's start in the line of progression, and we'll get to the county, the county commissioner races. But to top all of this off, and you mentioned it earlier, that – Mike McKay was considering running for a separate office, but preceding that event, the the big story, I would say, in the last few months is the situation with Rebecca Drew, who is the now resigned uh, clerk of the – or the Register of Wills. She resigned last month, and she was indicted on several charges, and I knew this was coming down the pike back in – about April, and you probably knew right. around that time. I just couldn't report it, but then as a few or more of my sources had relayed that information to me, I thought, okay, gee, well, this is this is a real story here. So I reached out to yeah. Rebecca Drew's. I reached out to Rebecca Drew's office and her folks. I didn't get any comment. Uh, I kept pushing the story. Nobody would talk to me. But then um, what was relayed to me actually happened. So could you, Greg, walk us through the timeline of this indictment, resignation, and give us the background into this story about who Rebecca Drew is, what happened, and some of the details about her resignation and indictment? Uh, sure. Yeah, it's been uh, that, uh, as uh, as you said, uh, Ryan, it's been something that's been in uh, the papers and the media in general for, for the last uh, couple of months, which and it really created a lot of speculation. Uh, Rebecca Drew has been the Register of Will since 2006, uh, the first female to uh, have that uh, post. Um, She came out of Montgomery County where she was doing similar work, and uh, uh, but I think she had roots back here and wanted to get up here. So she uh, was initially appointed 
um, to uh, fill the seat of a Mr. Lashball, and his, his first name uh, escapes me uh, at the moment, but she was appointed and then was elected and remained in that seat, um, you know, up until recently. And um, at some point along the way, um, we heard there were some issues over there. We started to hear some things. You know, we hear a lot of things, as you can imagine, working in a newspaper. We hear sure. all sorts of things. So we started to hear that there were some issues over there, and people are uh, uh, expecting some movement that she might uh, – uh, you know, step down or something was going to happen, uh, that uh, there were some charges that were going to um, um, be uh, filed. And uh, eventually it did play out, and I think it was mid, mid-August, um, around August 19th, uh, she was indicted by the grand jury. Um, there's some charges of some misappropriations there, some money. Uh, I think it's between four and $5,000 uh, that... Uh, I guess was missing. I'm not sure of the exact terminology there. I don't have the indictment in front of me, but uh, s- some problems there uh, with some misuse of funds right. and uh, created a situation where um, she had even, uh, I think, expressed on social media she was not going to walk away from it. But once the indictment uh, came, it was, um, I think it was about a week or so later that. Um, from what we heard, she came in and resigned one morning. And um, that was um, something we'd been following, and everybody had been following and wondering what she was going to do. But, uh, and uh, so I don't know how that's been resolved, if that resolved that or not. But she uh, definitely st- uh, stepped away from that office. And, uh, and then, of course, they uh, did a search, a very quick search, to find somebody mm-hmm. to uh, come in and do that. And that's where Mike McKay... Uh, stepped in the picture. Mike had started expressing when, uh, uh, in the previous few months, when it started coming to light that something was going to happen there, he had started expressing uh, interest in that. He had said that he would like to, um, you know, go ahead and be the Register of Wills, and um, uh, made that uh, remark in public. And uh, of course, uh, they they did a very quick search. And as uh, as you know, and uh, many folks know. Mike got passed over for that, and mm-hmm. um, I think that was uh, kind of caught him off guard. I didn't, I didn't, you know. I, uh, Ryan, I looked at that job, that Register of Wills position, and boy, it's an attractive position. Uh, I, th- I thought about it myself. I'll tell you mm-hmm. what, with, with the salary that's involved, it's very attractive. Um, but I, I'm not nearly connected to do something like that, uh, which I'm sure uh, you really have to have a background in public service. But uh, the salary on that, I looked at the, part, the Maryland Department of Legislative Services uh, has that salary at $105,900 a year. So not bad. Yeah, yeah, not exactly. Not a bad uh, payday there. Um, so, uh, yeah, you're looking at uh, – and that was 2014, so it might be a little bit more – uh, as Maryland does update their salaries um, fairly regularly, um, so yeah, so the, it had a lot of people that um, wanted that position. I know they had at least six candidates for it that were interviewed, and uh, that job went to Mary Beth Perlazzi, a former Cumberland City Councilwoman. Uh, they selected her, and I'm sure Mike was uh, disappointed. I saw Mike on uh, Facebook did uh, thank. Uh, Thank the uh, folks for their consideration. That appointment is a, um, appointed by the judges of the Orphans Court, which is a three-panel. Uh, uh, the Orphans Court, uh, three judges make that uh, court up, and right. they uh, select 
not one that has to go to the governor's office. Uh, they select them, and I, I think they interviewed um, those folks, and uh, they picked Mary Beth Perlazzi. Greg, I want to back uh, so, up to Drew, and when it, it, during the course of the indictment coming down and with the information that you had coming into the newsroom, how did you – how did it? How did the information start to trickle in to you? Were, was it inside it, uh, Intel? Was it uh, sources who were inside of the Register of Wills? Were they providing information? How did? How did? I mean, I guess we can't really tell our sources because that would. <laughs> I can't. Right. Right. I, I mean, I. One. Yeah. Uh, we're like. Uh, I'm sure you do. It's. Um, um, we, you just start to hear things, and and but yeah, yeah you're correct. Not, no official word was coming uh, out of uh, the orphans court uh, judges. Nothing coming from Register Wills. Um, we did like you. We we called and we asked. You know, tried to uh, find out uh, what the did status they of things. Them? Yeah, just um, you know, basic no comment mm-hmm. uh, when we talked. Did you get to anybody? Ever- uh, yeah, you know, going on the record, there was no. Yeah, couldn't get any comment there. Yeah, did you ever get Drew on the horn, or did you ever meet up with her? Because my understanding is, is and this is what sources have told me, is that they, yeah, she, basically was unreachable, unreachable at certain points, and nobody. Sometimes that she would come into the office, sometimes she wouldn't, and I've heard this from multiple people that I know I couldn't get her on the line. I. Her people wouldn't put me through to her, and I, I tried. And outside of waiting outside of the, the Register of Wills building to get her on the record, I mean, I didn't want to be a, uh, I didn't want to be a weirdo about this, but I wanted to comment and I wanted to pursue this story because I think it has merit. Any time that public corruption comes about and taxpayer dollar, dollars are potentially wasted or there is some foul play or malfeasance happening inside of local government. I think citizens have a real right to know the details, and that's where journalism really comes in. And I think that you folks have done a great job reporting on this, and so I wish that we could have gotten something more than no comment. But, of course, everything came down when it did, and it happened as it happened. Right. So what happens next with her? Is is she – you know? She, I assume there's going to be a trial, right? I have not heard that yet, and that's another uh, thing we're trying to do some follow-up on. We don't know uh, if it was the type of thing, uh, you know, if you if you resign, if you step down, um, you know, we'll drop this, you know, we'll, we'll we'll go no further. If you make restitution, if in fact, I want to make sure that I, I stress that uh, we had a letter to the editor where somebody just uh, railed that it all was not true. And that uh, you know was on uh, Rebecca right. Drew's side and said that this is all uh, legend. People, so. yeah, and that people have been going by her home and I don't know if they're throwing trash or mm. making noise or creating some disturbances and that she's having all these problems that stem from it and uh, defended uh, uh, Becky Drew very much and uh, so um, you know and they said that uh, it's just all not true but you know. It, the grand jury did make the, make a call there and felt there was something there. Well, there so, had to have been uh, probable cause then to um, to issue that indictment. There had to be some compelling evidence be beyond a preponderance of the evidence. In fact, it had to be um, you know well over that burden of proof that they had to meet. So, 
it'll be interesting. And, you know, it's a sad story. It's someone who's, who is, um, you know, she deserves due process. Of course, it's our American legal system and she deserves that. And, you know, we hope to hear more. And, uh, if the charges turn out to be, you know, she's proven innocent then okay, fine. But, you know, with, this is a political consequence. So, it's it's a tough situation, and I have to tell you, in my conversations with Mike McKay, when this had all happened, and they many people knew it was coming down. It was not a matter of if it was just when it would happen, and so it it fell. The cards fell in August. So Mike McKay had explained that he was interested in the position, and Mike McKay, that is the Republican delegate who was first elected in 2014 who lives in Cumberland and represents District 1C, which stretches from the tip of Williamsport, Maryland, and it goes all the way up I-70 to through Hancock, and then they make a, a western turn up through the mountains through Sidling Hill, through, um, let's see, through up by Rocky yeah. Gap, and then all the way up South. to, what, I think South Cumberland. So it's a big district. Yeah, yeah. And Mike, um, by all accounts, has done – a solid job of representing his constituents. He's an active delegate, a very hands-on delegate. He attends a lot of these local events. There's a lot of the fire and EMS events. Mike's just around, and he is around in both counties. So he has dual responsibilities. So Mike was interested in this job for a couple of reasons. One is that he was going down to Annapolis, Greg, and of course that takes a lot of time away from his family. Mike has, I think, eight children and several of his children are school-aged and he has a That's very correct, young yeah. a young child and so he and his wife are are pretty busy parents so um, and and he's a great dad i I've, I've known mike for about four or five years yeah i'd say four years and i've i've always been in, impressed by his integrity and his candor and i am i'm happy to see that he was interested in in this job and so he had put out feelers, and of course, when the resignation came, he did a letter of intent, and the judge of the Orphan's Court, that is the three judges, are responsible for Drew's appointment. So Mike put in his letter, and it was kind of uh, – most people believed that Mike was going to get the appointment, but it didn't turn out that way, and I don't know about you, Greg. I was shocked when that didn't happen. Yeah, I was surprised too. It, uh, uh, Mike is certainly has a lot of public service experience and is uh, well known. And um, I and Mary Beth Perlazzi, who was selected, of course, is uh, from what I understand, she was sort of in the limelight, so to speak, and sort of uh, involved in politics would be a better way of saying it. Right before I became a reporter for the Times News, she was just finishing up her uh, final term. Uh, there with the city council. So I didn't get to cover her a lot, but uh, a lot of folks said that when she was picked that, that uh, they weren't uh, totally surprised by that, that uh, she worked for Senator Hafer and was uh, involved with uh, him for a long time. Uh, Is she a Republican? I, well, you know, I'm not for certain on that. I think so, but I better not uh, uh, say for sure because I'm not, I'm not certain mm -hmm. of that. So when Mike but, McKay was there would have been a, a succession had Mike McKay been appointed to the seat and we're playing the what ifs here and the scenarios that would have unfolded 
the Republican Central Committees would then be constitutionally tasked to appoint McKay's successor. That is, they would have had a interview for candidates to apply, then they would put their names together um, and then make a decision. And the two the two county central committees, Washington County and Allegheny County, they would have decided for whom to pick. And in Washington County, there was rumors that it could you know five out of the five county commissioners in Washington County all live in District One C. Can you believe that? Five out of the five. Wow. So you I have. I didn't know that. Yeah, John Barr lives in One C. Jeff Klein lives in One C. Terry Baker, who is the commissioner's president, lives in 1C. Uh, Wayne um, – oh, what's his – I'm, I'm drawing a blank. But nonetheless, he – Wayne Kiefer, who was appointed to the county commissioners, lives in Hancock. And there's one more. Leroy Myers lives in Clear Springs. So Leroy Myers, who of course was the former delegate who sat in Mike's seat and then before Leroy, Leroy served from 2002 – to 2013. Before that was, of course, the very famous Cass Taylor, uh, the former Taylor, yeah. I think, Speaker of the House. So Leroy in 2002 knocked off Cass Taylor by something like 72 or 73 votes. So it was very close. And now there was a succession. So after, after Drew had stepped down, then you had an interesting thing happen in Washington County. Uh, Nicole Myers, Nicole Alt Myers, who married uh, former delegate Leroy Myers and current commissioner Leroy Myers back in 2015, she put her name into the hat. Interesting. So she was a former Cumberland City Councilwoman. When you were in Cumberland, or when she was in Cumberland, Greg, did you ever report on um, Nicole Alt Myers and on her happenings with the city council? Yeah, I did uh, do that, Ryan. I was, of course, I'm city reporter. That's my primary. Uh, uh, jobs cover city of Cumberland. I also uh, do, uh, do board of ed, and um, uh, also cover rolling the rolling mill uh, uh, project there, and uh, and as well as Canal Place. Uh, but yes, yeah, she served, and I was uh, the reporter uh, while she was serving. And um, uh, yeah, she took a very active role in that. And uh, yeah, yeah, she was. Uh, uh, very active uh, city councilwoman there when during her term. Well, she decided that she was going to go ahead and file for delegate. So she did. She went to Annapolis. She filed. She put her name into the hat. And then uh, subsequent to that, um, a, a young lady by the name of Jordan Lysak, who is a very smart, very talented Hancock attorney, she filed. Yeah, I see where you got to interview her, and I listened I to did. that, and uh, that was uh, I enjoyed that. Because I didn't know much about Jordan, uh, and I re- spoke with her a couple days ago, so uh, that was my first time. So it was helpful to listen to your. Uh, I listened on iTunes to that interview. So, oh uh, great! Yeah, it's, uh, she's me, and uh, that was very helpful. So I enjoyed that. Well, she's definitely a qualified person for the job. She has a lot of passion. She has a lot of energy, and she is she's very in tune with policy. So I would expect that would be it's going to be an interesting primary. So fast forward, then uh, a, a few days later, after Jordan filed, she filed, I believe it was on August the 30th. Then Mike McKay, who was um, 
who had said that he is not running for re-election to District 1C to pursue the Register of Wills position, he then reversed course and said he is going to run for re-election to District 1C. And so I've heard from several constituents yeah. of Mike up in between the two counties that they were a little discouraged by that move because yeah. he had <laughs> basically he had promised to, to do one thing and he did the exact opposite. And while Mike said that while one door shut, another, you know, the opportunity opened back up. My question to him was, and I think it's fair, that well, what has changed? You know, Mike said that he was he wanted to spend more time at home with his family. He wanted to uh, I, I assume that of course he wanted to make some more money if he got that register of wills job. That would have certainly paid better than the forty five, forty six, forty seven thousand dollars that a state delegate pays per year. So Mike rec- Mike reversed course. Greg, do you think voters are going to care when it comes time to election? Well, that that's a that's a very interesting question there. Uh, will how will the voters in one C uh, view that? I talked to Nicole Alt Myers. She said um, it'll be up to the uh, the voters in one C to decide how this reversal uh, affects them and impacts mm-hmm. them. And I think uh, it'll be interesting because I think it, you know if they have some debates and uh, I'm sure they'll have a few. And I think that's something that he's going to be uh, questioned on. And uh, so uh, for the voter out there, it'll it, I. I I think it'll be Ryan whether they think that is shows some sort of a lack of commitment to them if they feel that way or do they look at it the other way and say you know the you know the man has a family he's been blessed with eight children and he's got to look out for his side too and maybe he's trying to better himself and um um so it'll probably defend uh, depend a lot upon how Mike uh handles that question when it gets asked him but uh, I, I'm with you. I'm sort of interested to see how the voter will uh, look at that. And I think it could have some impact. Uh, Mike might be able to, um, uh, you know, placate it somewhat by uh, how he deals with those questions and uh, if he's more forthright about his intention there or, uh, you know, if he tries to uh, kind of not talk about it and just uh, skip over the subject, maybe they – they will look uh, look at it negatively, but uh, it, it could be interesting. Uh, yeah, it, it could impact that race. I think it's possible that it could. Greg, from a journalistic point of view, to ask that question of a candidate and a sitting delegate, is that a fair question to ask Mike McKay? Mike, you said you were going to do one thing, and then you did the exact opposite. So what has changed in your life um, that you – we're are able to reverse course now because he used several reasons yeah. that he would run. So is, is that a fair question from a journalistic standpoint, Greg? I think so. I think it is. And in fact, I think, uh, the, the voter and the people would almost expect Jordan Lysak or, um, uh, Nicole Alt Myers, uh, particularly, to be asking that question uh, when it comes time for uh, debates, any uh, public appearances where they meet. And, in fact, the public may even be asking that. Mike goes in front of the Rotary Club or, you know, the uh, wherever uh, he's speaking at, and they go around and speak at a lot of different gatherings. 
uh, even somebody from the, the public might as well said, you know, well, uh, you know, are you committed to us? Or are you just going to, if you find something better, where we're, you're not going to be there for us? So, and I think it's a valid question. I really do. I think uh, uh, I'd like. I think a lot of people like to hear a little bit more mm-hmm. from Mike on that very topic. Sure, and I'm sure that he'll be given multiple opportunities to explain his his reasoning, and that's as best that's as most that we could ask. And I do know, however, that. Nicole Alt Myers and Jordan Lysak are two formidable women, and they are two formidable candidates from diverse backgrounds that have something to say, that have real policy interest. I know Jordan is especially eager to talk about jobs and child abuse issues and uh, civil liberties and um, Second Amendment rights, as is Nicole, and she can use her experience on the Cumberland City Council, and not to mention her her former husband knows the district inside and out, given that he served them for three terms. And um, let's not mince words that there's some real money that could be spent. So it's an interesting relationship. Do you remember back in 2014, Greg, when Leroy Myers, he backed Mike Myers in the primary over Ray Gibbons? He backed him? Yeah. And I think – yeah. I think there was a little personal animosity there. In fact, I know so. But nevertheless, he still backed him. So as a county commissioner, and whether Leroy decides to run for reelection in Washington County is up for conversation. That's, of course, in Leroy's hands to decide. But how's that relationship going to turn? Are they going to attack Mike? Are they going to go after him? Are they going to switch course? And if, if Mike and Nicole battle it out, does that leave – a, um, a pathway for Jordan to sneak in and to run on the issues, right. and so it's it's going to see how the po- let's watch closely how the political calculus is calculated because I think this is going to be one of those races around the state to watch very closely. And you and I, as spectators, as writers, and you as a journalist, me as a blogger, and um, we have an opportunity to really uh, to write a lot about this race because I think you're going to see a lot more. It's past Labor Day. This is the time. And who knows? Greg, have you heard of anybody else who may be interested in running for that seat? No, I have not um, heard anybody for uh, 1C at this time, but I really do expect to see some more people Um it's kind of getting to be the season where everybody's starting to throw names around and you hear uh, hear different things. But I've not heard any specific names for delegate, but I would um, I would suspect there will be at least probably two or three more names uh, for that office before it's all over. And we're getting some pretty talented people uh, coming out for these offices too. Some, uh, like you said, with Jordan Lysak, uh, a very talented young lady um, uh, coming out. Uh, Nicole Alt Myers, uh, experience from a family now of uh, a political family with uh, Leroy Myers, and uh, yeah, Mike, who is a is an incumbent. You know, uh, so we got three uh, good candidates there, and um, I think there'll be more. And um, so that it, it in uh, like like I think you're uh, you know talking about there. The more you people you get in the race, the more that can dilute things. And 
you never know. Then you can get a surprise. Somebody can sneak in there and uh, and win. But, um, yeah, I think there's going to be quite a few candidates. Like with the uh, county commission seat here, we've gotten – that is getting crowded early. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a very uh, interesting political year. Mm-hmm. I agree. So Jake Shade was rumored to be considering the one seat uh, seat. So what do you make of that? Yeah, I thought. Yeah, and I never got to speak with uh, uh, Jake um, on that. He was very careful about talking to the press and, and about it. But uh, you know, the rumor mill was rife that he was strongly interested in that. But um, I, you know, it's hard to say what what uh, caused him just to uh, uh, maybe once Mike. Um, was going to go back because that could have impacted. It's really hard to say to get in, inside his head, and I, I wouldn't want to do that. But uh, something made him realize that he, he said to me, "The time's not right. This, you know, it's, it's just not the right time for me to be looking at anything else." And uh, mm-hmm. so something changed his mind there. And um, he's a young man. I think Jake's 24, so <laughs> <laughs> he is. Um, he's got some time, and I think maybe he's realizing that uh, maybe use time on his side and just wait for the right opportunity if he does, in fact, want to uh, look at another office. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we've we've covered Jake Shade. We covered Mike McKay's political future. We talked about Jordan Lysak and Nicole Altmyers. So, all right, what is going on specifically with the inner workings of the Allegheny County Board of County Commissioners. What's what's happening at the county level? What are some of the policies that they're talking about and some of those big ticket issues that are occurring all over uh, of uh, with the council here? Well, the um, Allegheny County has been um, – they've got a new uh, 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 director of tourism. They, they took that seat, and uh, I also must preface and mention my colleague, Heather Wolford, she works more closely uh, with the county, so uh, um, I want to give her a shout out. She does that and uh, as a full-time occupation, and I fill in for her. And of course, I keep my eye on it and listen to the talk in the newsroom. But uh, um, but yeah, the county they have uh, trying to consolidate tourism a little bit. They're uh, um, they have a new tourism director. Uh, and I, her first name, I know her last name's Workman, and I, I think it's Ashley, but I hope I'm not incorrect on that. But I know her last name's Workman. She has been uh, uh, tourism director. That uh, happened over the summer. Uh, oh. So that's a new move that they're trying to consolidate that in house. Um, and uh, uh, otherwise, you know, they're um, they also uh, did some. Uh, the rolling mill is um, a quite a somewhat of a controversy here, uh, Ryan, in this area, and I'm sure you've probably heard about that. The uh, mm-hmm. city wants to um, uh, clear 67 homes in a church. They are right off exit 43, right right off the, uh, the freeway, right off 68, and to convert that into a commercial area, uh, which will increase the tax base and help the city out uh, in, a, in a big way. And uh, uh, but, however, they run into a snag in that um, several, I think about a dozen homeowners uh, out of that 67 homes do not want to leave. They um, they want to stay in their homes, and they're, uh, they're of course, fighting to stay in there, and they've uh, organized. And uh, 
So that's kind of slowed that process down. Um, the county did step in and uh, try to help. They didn't put money uh, into acquiring any additional homes, but they have made, uh, I think it's 200000 or close, somewhere around 200000 available uh, for demolition work there to tear down homes that have already been purchased. And oh, that wow. will... Um, you know, would allow them to clear that out further. And I think county's position on that is that uh, it's better now that those homes are acquired and vacant, and uh, they don't want the people going in there and using them for you know, you know, we got that drug problem like uh, a lot of cities do, and they don't want to see them no, used as places for that you know that. So they'd rather see them torn down. Yeah, let's talk about that. What's what's going on with the opioid crisis in Cumberland? How's that affected the the community? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, what a um, topic that is uh, so uh, so current on top of so many people's uh, mind. Um, what I'm understanding, Ryan, is that I don't think that it's gotten any worse than last year. There for a while we were the number of fatalities and so forth were down a little bit from last year's pace, which was really good news. Just any kind of movement in the right direction, you know, because it, uh, it has been uh, such a problem, in, as it is in many communities. But um, I think it's more about even now, you know, with that, uh, it's just like with that stuff, it's one bad, you know, batch or uh, whatever you would call it. One uh, shipment comes in, and it's a bad batch where they've uh, cut it with all these very dangerous um Drugs like they do, and, and they uh, when they we cut it with it, um, you know, it, it's, it's like the fentanyl, which is a very dangerous narcotic. I understand fifty times stronger than heroin, and when they yeah. cut it with that, and the people uh, uh, take a shot of that, uh, and, and it's just a you know it, it kills them. So uh, those statistics can spike up really quick with a bad uh, batch of the stuff hitting the street. So, but right now I think, um, you know, they're on about a scale with last year, maybe a little bit down as far as the fatalities, but there are a lot of eyes and ears on that problem now more than ever. Uh, they are working new programs, you know, clean needle programs, um, uh, programs where they can get you into uh, some type of rehab and counseling very quickly. Uh, they streamlined that, and uh, so there's a there's a lot of work going on. So we're just hoping that uh, it does begin to see a little improvement. But that is a very difficult, as you know, problem to to face and to deal with. Um, so yeah, that uh, they're hoping that uh, things pan out and it gets a little bit better. So let's talk about the Cumberland City. Council, and you have the the mayor uh, who is. Um, remind me again who the mayor is. <laughs> Here's a Brian Grimm. Brian Grimm, that's right. And Brian Grimm, Brian I believe. Mayor. I mm-hmm. think I remember, if I remember correctly, Brian Grimm ran in 2006 for District One C against Leroy right. Myers. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Some yeah, people yeah. have forgotten that he did. He made a – I think his first time out, he tried to uh, – first run, he was going to try to be a delegate. And, yeah. uh, of course, was unsuccessful. But, yeah, you're right. He did try to be uh, run for one C seat. Um, so 
tell me about his relationship with his city council. What is the power of the mayor in Cumberland, and how the, how does he work in tandem with the city council? Where's the legislative power invested, and just how much power does the mayor have in, in Cumberland? The mayor in Cumberland has a, uh, a fair amount of power. They actually uh, can uh, uh, move things um, in, 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 a, in a direction if they want to. Uh, they... Um, they sort of hold the gavel there, so they can really kind of uh, direct things along. Of course, the, the, the county council, they have four uh, seats there, and they, they have their own free will, and they may vote accordingly to their thoughts. But uh, the mayor does have a lot of influence there and, and, and can make a lot of things happen in Cumberland. And, uh, and, um, and Mayor Brian Grimm has been doing just that. He has been... Uh, pretty aggressive, you know. Like, you know, you're looking at the rolling mill, very aggressive project. Um, you know, there's a lot of things he's uh, uh, doing to to really make an effort to try to. Cumberland really needs some uh, financial uh, stimulus, some uh, somehow to reverse the um, the downward spiral, so to speak. It's it's slowed down, but they're still uh, it's still on the negative side. The things aren't increasing for them, so he's he's really uh, been trying to to change all that. And uh, but and sometimes you know it, it, he gets a lot of pushback, and uh, it's not uh, uh, easy for him. And uh, uh, it gets uh, it can get very political. What are the politics but, uh, of what are the politics, Greg, of Cumberland? Is it Democrat, Republican? Is it a mixture? Is it liberal? Is it conservative, progressive? Uh, libertarian. What what is that like? Very good. Uh, Allegheny County is uh, is Republican dominated, and it is conservative. That uh, went for Trump, you know. So we're kind of Trump land here. Uh, but there are pockets of progressive and uh, liberal uh, elements, particularly in Cumberland and in Frostburg. Um, there are some Democrats uh, and uh, progressive there, and. Uh, and it was interesting to see that Bernie Sanders uh, won here in Allegheny County. Uh, really? During the when he was yeah when he was on it yeah that surprised me it really did. Yeah. Uh, Bernie carried Allegheny County. I, I, <laughs> I did not expect that one, but uh, yeah he How beat uh, beat out Hillary Clinton and uh, uh, and uh, but of course uh, Hillary went on to uh, won the state and uh, went on to face Donald Trump. But uh, so there are some pockets of liberal and progressive people in uh, in the city, particularly in the city. But they're not as strong. The Republicans are very strong here. Their uh, central committee is very organized, and they're, they're pretty much um, the, the the majority of the offices are are held by Republicans. But there are a few Democrats. Brian Grimm is a Democrat. Uh, Seth Bernard, Councilman Seth Bernard, is a Democrat. Um, Eugene Frazier. Uh, pretty sure Eugene's a Democrat as well. Um, we have uh, coming up. Um, uh, Mayor Grimm will be up for re-election next year. He's not indicated either way whether he's going to run again or not. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Roxioni, he is a uh, city council mm-hmm. member. His seat will be will be up coming up as well as Seth Bernard. So you have the three of them. You have the mayor and uh, two council members, Roxioni and Seth Bernard. Those those uh, posts will all be up next year. 
I wanted to tell you, I recently attended a um, a big street festival in Cumberland. I I forget what it's called, but I, it was a few months ago. It was in the spring or early summer, and uh, we went up for – it was on a Saturday, and they had uh, different events all over the place. They had people lined up in the streets. Do you do you recollect what that festival was or the – I think maybe Cumberland Days or if, if that's – I might be a little was that off. In the summer, it sounded like that might have been Heritage Days. That's it. It was Heritage Days. That was a lot of fun, and we we really enjoyed ourselves uh, when we went up there. Uh, so I I had a blast. I, I really did. I enjoyed uh, going to the different vendors, and so we. Mm-hmm. Anytime I get a chance to go to Cumberland or in Allegheny County, and Greg, I spent a lot of time in Allegheny County when I was a kid. My granddad and my family on my, my dad's side, uh, they have a hunting cabin up in the Green Ridge Mountains. So we we go up oh. and get up um, Sidling Hill and then go up 68. We get off at 15 Mile Creek Road, and we literally go about 15 miles up into the mountains, and we have a hunting club. I haven't been up there since, gosh, 2013. Um, so a little bit about that. Um, it's a little difficult to go back for me my grandfather in 2009 he passed away in cumberland um he, well he passed away and he went hunting in 2009 two days after thanksgiving and on a saturday um he actually passed away in the woods um at, from from a heart attack and so of course they they transported him to cumberland hospital and by the way i have to tell you the cumberland city hospital which is apparently relatively new um the, the the newer hospital they they were they were very exceptional they were courteous and you know that's a really hard time so they they treated us with dignity and respect so we were very thankful at that time I am um, I'm I'm interested to learn about the education system how many public schools are in Allegheny County how many um, <laughs> how many high schools and we all know the famous football rivalry and of among the high schools. So let's let's talk a little bit about what's happening on the education front in Allegheny County. Absolutely, um, we have basically 22 public schools in Allegheny County. We have three high schools, um, uh, public high schools. And that would be Allegheny High School, Fort Hill High School. Uh, which is, of course, the uh, the source of the big football rivalry and sports rivalry, uh, very healthy rivalry there between the Sentinels and the Campers every year. Uh, so at Allegheny Fort Hill, we also have Mountain Ridge High School, and uh, and uh, so we have three public high schools, uh, the 22 schools, and uh, we have roughly about 8,000 students. Uh, right now, currently in Allegheny County, and that uh, enrollment has been. Uh, stable to uh, to on the negative, losing a, usually losing a few each year, but mm-hmm. uh, come in around eight thousand and uh, and uh, yeah, we've uh, they've they've of course Maryland has been uh, as a lot of people know changing their testing system and going to uh, the new uh, park system, uh, which has uh, has been a struggle. The park scores have been less than stellar, but um, again, it's a whole new system. Uh, it's more rigorous, more demanding of the students, very computer-oriented now, which is, you know, the way it had to go. 
and um but they're working hard. It seems like they're doing everything they can to get the kids uh, used to this park system and to get the baselines in place. So uh, hopefully with those baseline scores in place, they'll be able to see progress. But it's been a big challenge. It's been a tough time to be a teacher, uh, switching your complete testing system from the old MSA and HSAs to park. Um, and we have a, a four um, uh, person um, board of education excuse me five five seats on the board of ed here mm-hmm. and a uh, superintendent of schools but um who's your uh, superintendent yes. our superintendent is david cox and he was mm-hmm. just recently uh the board recently extended him another four-year contract i believe it was so um he'll i think he's in his ninth year as superintendent so things are going well on the education front. How many teachers do you? How many teachers are in um, among the schools? Um, I am not sure exactly how many they do have. It would be in the hundreds, but mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure. Um, uh, they have they have about the same as they've had over the last couple of years. They've not been able to add any, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly the numbers on that. Hmm. Okay. And so there's five members of the Board of Education. How many of those members are up for re-election in 2018? Uh, sure. That's um, that's going to be some interesting uh, uh, area, too. Uh, this uh, coming up next year, they stagger the, the seats in the Board of Ed. Uh, so they'll have three uh, one year, and then the, the next uh, go-around they'll have two. This uh, in 2018, there will be two seats up uh, for uh, election. Uh, Lori Marchini and Wayne Foote, uh, two mm-hmm. board members, will have their posts up for election. Um, wow. Wayne is finishing his first term, and uh, Lori, I think, has been – she's the current president, the uh, Board of Education uh, president, Lori Marchini, and I think this would be her th- – if she would run, if she chooses to run again, would be her third term. And is there any is there any drama on that board of education, or are they pretty much all cohesive? Well, uh, it's, it seems like uh, uh, all these boards have a little something going on. I guess whenever you get that many people together in a room, it's it's never all <laughs> smooth sailing. But uh, they, um, so yeah, you know what uh, what uh, I'm referring to. It uh, they do pretty well. Um, they operate with um, sort of ba- – I mean, people can vote whichever way they want to vote on any issue, but they basically – there are three that pretty much vote in tandem and another two that are off sort of against that and vote in tandem. So there is somewhat of a balance in that the three pretty much are are um, kind of getting their way because they have the votes. They've got the, you know, they've got the majority, and it sort of votes that way, but um, – They've been having a little bit of trouble with attendance lately. Um, of course, one of the – Laura Lee Farrell is a board member, and she's had some health challenges, some serious health challenges, and she's not uh, been able to be there uh, much at all. And then uh, Wayne Foote, uh, the other uh, member of the Board of Education, has has not made a few meetings in a row too, and it's starting to become a little bit of an issue uh, to make sure you've got five of them there. And in fact, on an August 8th board meeting, they lacked a quorum to conduct a meeting. 
Uh, they didn't uh, have enough people. Wow, you know, that's so interesting. It's, uh, yeah, that's you know that starts to become a serious problem when you don't have enough people on your board to show up to conduct the meeting and take votes. Um, one of the one of the uh, ladies on the board, Sarah Beth Bettinger, uh, had recently given birth to a child, so she was unable mm-hmm. to make it. And uh, Laura Lee Farrell uh, was having health issues, and uh, I'm not sure exactly uh, why Wayne was not able to attend that August 8th meeting. But uh, yeah, it turned out that they only had two there and uh, could not could not vote on anything. So uh, hopefully they're working that out and getting everybody, if they've got to do a conference call or however they're going to have to do it, to see if they can get everybody there. They, there was even some talk about having to come up with a attendance policy mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> that for, the, for the kids and the, the students. But when you have to do that for the Board of Education, uh, not a good thing. So, uh, hmm. But hopefully they're, they're making effort, every effort to see that everybody's there and everybody's up to speed so they can vote and uh, and conduct their meetings. You know what my favorite thing about waking up in the morning, Greg? I think it's Bill Valentine's jokes on his Facebook page. It has to be. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Have yeah. you ever read some of these? Like he, um, I do. I do. And, uh, he, I don't know where he finds them, but I do enjoy them. I really yeah. do. <laughs> he said that today, I really yeah, he said, I got banned from the Secret Cooking Society for spilling the beans. Um, <laughs> he said, um, birthdays are good for your health. Studies have shown that people who have more birthdays live longer. Some mistakes are are way too fun to make once. A termite walks into a bar and says, where is the bartender? Think, think, think. I mean, this guy is great. Every morning, uh, you know, I'm up early. I'm the first thing I do is, you know, grab a cup of coffee and then check my email on my Facebook feed. And then old Bill Valentine never fails to deliver. So um, I love that guy. I really do. He does. He is. Bill has got a great sense of humor. And and uh, doesn't matter, you know, what kind of day he's got. He always has some time to put those up. And uh, like I said, he had a couple of good ones up there today. So there was a the Ninja Plumbers one, which which had a word in it. Can't use on the radio, but it was uh, it was very humorous, uh, humorous <laughs> one too about something going down the drain. But <laughs> yeah, but he does he finds those all. But uh, but they're they're good fun. They really are. And uh, he's uh, he's pretty much uh, you know, pretty uh, uh, good about doing this about every day too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let me ask you this question. Aside from the Cumberland Times News and not to take away from um, the, the media outlet that you offer, are you familiar, Greg, with um, any other, I guess, local blogs or um, media outlets, whatnot, that people refer to or read or look at or Facebook groups? It's always it's always interesting to see the content that people are putting out there in their local communities, and, and I'm always interested to find – um, as much information as possible. I mean, you are my first go-to person, um, and so is Heather Wolford, and she does a great job. She's a fantastic journalist as well. So um, I, I'm always interested to see, you know, what are some citizens doing up that way? Uh, yeah, I do, and uh, and Ryan, I'm not like, um, and you know, an expert on the um, with the smartphone and, and computers and stuff, but I do really. You know, I, I'm on Facebook. I try to see what people are talking about on there, you know, and see because you, you get so much uh, from that. Like you said, it's so important to 
Um, you know, we get leads off that. We get leads off of Facebook. You know, hey, we heard this is happening, and we'll we'll chase it down and see if it's you know if it's accurate. Because of course, of course, you have to watch out anytime you're going uh, and anything with social media and internet for accuracy. You really got to be careful there. But uh, uh, it's 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 great. Um, it's a great tool. Uh, Facebook. I follow that. I see the the posts are circulated by the politicians or citizens talking about something going on and commenting. Um, and of course, I stay abreast with the um, the media outlets, radio, um, uh, a couple different radio stations um, uh, that uh, do some reporting. Uh, I follow them, and um, so any and anytime I can, any sources we can get, I go to some websites and blogs. I'm not. Um, we used to have a thing called Cumberland Chat here in in our area. Oh, I heard about Which, that, and and I. <laughs> That was I very it, interesting. It, yeah, <laughs> I, I heard it Unusual was a little thing, wild. Yeah, it was. It was a wild, woolly place, and you really got some threads going on there. But uh, that uh, they closed that down. I think they closed it down twenty early twenty sixteen. So you don't no longer have that kind of community site to go to. But uh, hmm. Facebook, a lot of people on Facebook, some on Twitter, but uh, yeah, Facebook's popular in the area. Well, of course, and and it's popular anywhere you go, and it's a source of news, and it's also a source of fake news. And so I I try to be vigilant, and especially look. In a minor detail has sort of developed a reputation, given that I've grown up in Washington County and have talked, and still do. I talk a, a, about a lot of Washington County politics. Um, I have some stories up there today about some some weirdness in Washington County, but nonetheless, I want to do. I, I, I'd love to collaborate with you, Greg, um, on, you know, in the future, some stories, because people, people around the state of Maryland want to get that news out about what's happening in the western part of our, of our, in the western part of our state, especially in Garrett County and Allegheny County. So, um, you know, what do we do? What do we do? How do we go up and grab those stories? There's so much going on up th- up there, but I think people in the rest of the state kind of focus on what's happening down here in Montgomery or around the Beltway and in Howard County and some of these you know, Frederick. So I'd I'd really like to see a greater focus on what's happening in, in the western part of the county. So I don't know, or the state rather. I, I, I'm interested in that. So you know, what do we do as bloggers and journalists here to to highlight that information? Well, I think that would be a great thing to do, um, and uh, and I'd like to shout out to you. Uh, you know, I do follow you, and uh, and uh, you, no, well, have, uh, I've looked, yeah, you, particularly on the register of wills thing. You know, you were very much on that, saying something that uh, was uh, apparently going to happen there, and uh, so we were following you. And uh, people come up to me and say, you know, Ryan Miner, and a, a mi- you know, a minor detail had this, and. Uh, so, uh, you know, speaking of sources and uh, things that you follow, uh, we do follow you. I know I do and appreciate oh, well, the work you're doing. Uh, I mean, and, um, yeah, you know, hey, anytime. And uh, like I said, uh, I, I, I like the Washington Post's um, slogan. I don't know who came up with it, but uh, it says, I think if I have it right, it's democracy dies in darkness. Amen to that. That's, I, yeah, boy, absolutely. isn't that nice? I, so, yeah, I, I got to yeah. tell you. More information is always best. More speech, uh, more journalism, and more exercising our rights enshrined in our First Amendment 
And, you know, look, journalists get a bad rap these days, and I think it's an unfair bad rap. And I'm, I'm quite defensive of, of, of journalists because these are folks that many of them have a passion for the truth. And, you know, I think it's an unfair sentiment out there that there's this, this, this swirling liberal bias that people claim. And it's not necessarily liberal bias at all. In fact, people sometimes just disagree with the truth. And so they chalk it up as being some sort of bias. And I get accused of it all. Well, not all the time, but sometimes they say, oh, you have a slant. And I'm, I say, I'm so, how do the facts have a slant? And if I put out something, I do my absolute level best to, one, present all sides, Greg, and two, make sure that the facts are right. And, you know, <laughs> sometimes I'm, a, I'm, I'm not the best proofreader, and I, you know, I go back and I say, oh, man, I, I could have used better grammar here or a better word there. And that's just me learning how to be a journalist on the fly. But, you know, I do my very, ap- very level best to get all sides of a story so I can include it in there. Um, because, you know, that's, it's not for me to, um, try to influence somebody by a story or slant it. It's for the people who read a minor detail in the Cumberland times news to make their own minds up about what it is that you have printed and use that information to make important decisions. And so that's why we have journalists that, you know, who don't make a lot of money. They go out every day and report on, county government and stuff that really the government is closest to the people. And I, and those are, I, I love those kind of people. And I've, I've talked to a lot of journalists. And so um, there's, there's, there's quite a few excellent people doing good work each and every day. I got a good friend down at uh, Harold Mill in Hagerstown, CJ Loveless. And that was my hometown newspaper, but let me ask you something. Go ahead, Greg. I'm sorry. Oh no, no! I just said, uh, yeah, said yeah for the uh, for your hometown newspaper. But no, you go ahead, sure. Yeah. So what I was going to say is that in Garrett County, they don't have a designated newspaper. Is that correct? Um, I think there's a. I think it's the Garrett County Republican. It's, it might be called. Um, they do have something up there, but I don't know if that's just you know Oakland Deep Creek Lake or what that is. I think there is a publication there though. Mm-hmm. And um, up in, in the Cumberland Times News, it, most of the, the revenue, it comes from uh, advertising. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that would be correct. Uh, advertising is, um, is the top thing. And, of course, uh, you know, we sell papers, and um, we do have some subscriptions. I think our, uh, our um, website has a paywall. They started that a couple of years ago, and – and um, they, I think they get something from that. And you know, online ads, they have banner ads and different types of ads on the uh, on the digital end as well. So, um, yeah, these days, boy, you have to just kind of hit it from all angles, you know, to to keep going. It's it's tough business. But uh, so yeah, they've got a couple different streams there. But but you're right. Overall, advertising is still the uh, the dominant uh, thing that keeps uh, keeps it going. Well, one of these days when I um, <laughs> when I turn my business degree in that I have from uh, you know, Mount St. Mary's, I'm going to put it to good use and and figure out a a, a way to monetize a minor detail because I don't make any money from this at all. This is a hobby, and I spend a lot of time honing this hobby and my craft and 
I enjoy it. I, I really do. And I've worked hard as you have. We develop our sources and they call us and they give us information. And, um, and so I always, <laughs> you know, I always tell people when, when they talk to a journalist and just as a, as a matter of principle and as, as a ground rules, you first have to set the, the terms of the discussion, whether it's on the record, it's off the record, it's background. Oh, yeah. And, and sometimes I've, I've discovered that you're, you're about 25 minutes into a conversation with a, an elected official, a politician, or someone that has a position of importance in government. And then they say, oh, gee, well, everything I just said is off the record. And I'm like, eh, okay, well, you know, that's why always up front when, I, when I'm talking to someone, if they don't explicitly tell me that it's off the record, I'm putting it on the record. So, um, yeah, oh. yeah. And, and, and that's so true. Um, anytime, uh, most of the time, uh, people pretty much know when they're talking to you, they get a call from Ryan Miner, they get a call from Greg Larry, they pretty much know that they're, uh, they're on the record. There's almost, um, you know, the kind of, kind of the old saying, you know, there's no off the record. But uh, but in, but on the other hand, uh, you know, we do allow people to give us background and and do go off the record when things that they can't they can't go on the record with or for for some reason. We try we try to honor that and uh, and it, it can be helpful. But um, but yeah, people have to understand, you know, that uh, when they're talking to a reporter, you know, I've only had once or twice where uh, somebody said they th- uh, you know thought that I was. Uh, had uh, sort of surprised, caught him off guard, or surprised him, or sandbagged him in some type, some type of way, and uh, only once or twice have I perp people ever done that. So uh, it's a pretty good track record that people don't say that about me. But, uh, but on the other hand, those that one or two times that it has happened, uh, I, I didn't didn't agree with them. I thought that uh, they really should have known. Like you said, when you go call them, talk to them. You know, um, you know, you're you're talking to a reporter. You're talking to somebody who does a blogcast. You know, you're, you know, you're, you know, don't just you know think think about what you want to say. You know, and sure. and do it accordingly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and just to wrap up yeah, our discussion. Right. Yeah, just to wrap up our discussion, Greg. There is a congressional race that's happening, and the congressional district six and Western Maryland. Look, Cumberland is in the heart of Western Maryland in the sixth congressional district, and. It looks like on the Democratic side, while it may not be completely settled, but it looks like that there are five candidates running. That And the five happen to be um, Andrew Duck, uh, David Trone, Roger Mano, Aruna Miller, and Bill Frick. So they're on the Democratic side. And on the Republican side, there's um, a guy by the name of Matt Mossberg who is from Frederick, and – it looks like that um, he's the only one who's signed up so far, and maybe Ami Hover, who ran in 2016 and won the Republican nomination but fell short to now Congressman John Delaney, presidential candidate John Delaney. He, um, so it, it, it'll be interesting to see who runs again, but it seems like that Democrats in Western Maryland have traditionally and historically in the last few years come up short. So – I don't know what's going to happen with that, and we'll we'll be keeping an eye on that race pretty closely. But have you seen any some any of those congressional candidates show up in in Cumberland or 
in and around parts of Allegheny County? Uh, uh, we've been, uh, like like you were just saying, we've sort of been aware of some of the names, but we haven't waded into it a whole lot. I saw where David Trone um, uh, has thrown his hat in the ring. And, um, you know, when John Delaney, of course, indicated he was going to go for uh, uh, presidency, uh, you know, that, that uh, that's going to open the floodgates there. But we haven't waded into it big time yet, but I, I think that's around the corner now that we're going to start – Doing some interviews and, uh, and, and getting some. Yeah, uh, so. I was interested to see what you thought about Delaney. Uh, uh, you think he has a chance to get his name uh, out there and and make any so, headway? Well, I kind of look at it at it in in three different in di- three different pieces. And the first is is that Congressman Delaney is jumping into the race. Very, he's the very first person out the gate who has uh, said that he was going to run for for office, and so um, I think that's important because he has to build rain, name recognition. And even in some portions of Maryland, he's still unknown. And of course, he's widely known in the sixth district and elsewhere. Most people thought that he was going to run for for governor, but of course, when I was up at the Western Maryland Democratic Summit. Back in April, Doug Gansler was the one who initiated this speculation when we were having a conversation, and I followed up on it, and people thought I was crazy for pursuing the story, but it turns out that John Delaney decided to run for president, and he actually came on the show a few weeks ago to have a conversation with me um, about his presidential candidacy. And then the second area that I look at John is can can he break through in what is expected to be a massive crowd. And I think John is so smart and he has a way to um, connect with average voters, people who are truly invested in the electoral process. And he has a real plan to sell. Point three with John's candidacy is he has a lot of money. He has a lot of personal money that he can invest into a campaign. So look, I don't know what's going to happen. I think you're going to see plenty of Democratic candidates come out. Who knows? Former Vice President Joe Biden would be um, a big name. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, maybe Bernie Sanders. Um, then you know you have John Delaney. So I don't. I hate to tear the candidates, but people have a tendency to gravitate towards some of these top names. But I think that's a mistake in this race. And I think people who are listening should pay careful attention to John's message because he has a real economic message, and he describes him as a. Di- he describes himself as a different kind of Democrat. So, um, and look, I don't know, is Trump vulnerable in 2020? Well, we'll see. We'll see what the Democrats, how they message. And um, I'm, I'm certain, you know, Donald Trump has certainly done himself no strategic favors in his first nine, 10 months of his presidency. But um, all of this is clearly undecided in 2020. There's a lot to come. I think that the Mueller investigation will certainly um, foretell some future events and whether that's even resolved. And I think that the 2018 midterms should be a um, a precursor of what we should expect. So Democrats are, are going to look for the anybody but Hillary kind of candidate. Um, and maybe that's a Cory Booker. Maybe it's um, a John Hinkenlooper from the state of Colorado. And who knows? Maybe Donald Trump will be challenged by a Republican um, from the center or the or the right or who knows I, I don't I can't put my finger on what kind of Republican Donald Trump is um, I just 
I happen to think that he's whatever he wants to be at any particular time, and that's just how it goes. So, um, mm, yeah, I'm excited to see where John goes. He's been in New Hampshire. He's been in Iowa. And I know that John is going to run a formidable candidate. He's a top-notch guy. He's a smart man. He's took two companies public. Uh, he's made a, like a bajillion dollars, and I have a lot of confidence in, in John's abilities to, um, to, to get a message out there. So I guess the answer is, Greg, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. That, that name recognition will be a big thing with him if he can just get mm-hmm. – get that out over the coming years he's getting in early so uh yeah. with that uh that could help with that so yeah. um so where can we find your materials are and where can we find you and your stories on social media i'm sure you can uh follow me follow uh um of course the cumberland times news website is um uh probably one of the most um direct ways to follow the stories and you can uh sign up to follow mine as they come out um almost daily we uh, put out a lot of stories there we're writing every day and um uh, also uh, uh, we we're on facebook with the cumberland times news and i'm on facebook as well with my own page and i and i put up um uh some of the stories uh as i do also on twitter mm-hmm. um but um yeah so they're the places to go and invite anybody to uh Definitely uh, follow anybody that's interested. To, you know, please follow us and uh, and uh, you know keep us uh, like you like we're talking about keep uh, journalism alive and uh, and support your local paper if you're from the area uh, or if you're out of the area. And, uh, you know, please drop in online or however uh, is easiest for you. So, definitely want to want you to participate and uh, you know stay in touch. Amen to that. Support your local papers. And support your local journalists. Um, <laughs> I always try to find different organizations who protect the First Amendment to that advance the cause of journalism to either donate to or maybe volunteer towards um, and that protect our our right to keep journalism fair and free. So, Greg, you're a stand-up guy for coming on. I appreciate your time on a Sunday night, uh, and you're welcome to come back anytime. And I'm sure you and I will be in touch many times throughout the uh, this upcoming year. It's an important year. It's an election year, as it is every two years. So we're excited to to keep our eye on all that's happening on the local front. And um, you uh, you always have a uh, an open invitation to, to come on here. And maybe next time we'll go up in Cumberland somewhere and, and have a, a one-on-one where we're, we're in the same room. And I much prefer that because people – tend to, to have a, a, a much better chemistry when they're not necessarily behind a computer screen, but can talk to one another and, um, and see one another. That's how I much prefer to do interviews, but this will have to suffice for now. But Greg, thank you so much for, for coming on. Cumberland Times News. I, the website is, is CumberlandTimesNews.com? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And you are also on Twitter, so check out Greg Larry on Twitter and uh, Greg, you have a fantastic week and keep us keep on writing and keep us in the loop of what's happening up in Cumberland. 
Thank you, Ryan. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on. I enjoy uh, a minor detail. Keep up the uh, good work on your end. And I agree. I think uh, any time that uh, we can get together and, and do this again and uh, and get the news out and uh, keep uh, keep people updated, uh, I think it would be great. So uh, looking forward to it. Hope we can chat again soon. Sure thing. All right. Well, you have a great week, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks again, Greg. Okay. Thank you. Good night. All right. Good night. All right, friends, that was Greg Larry of the Cumberland Times News. He's a newspaper reporter there, covered a lot of topics tonight. So, uh, man, I'm I'm ready to hit the sack and uh, get Monday started. I uh, t- look, look, tomorrow is September the 11th. We know what date that is in our, our nation's history. And uh, just remember all those who have died on, on that date um, and – what happened afterwards for all those who have sacrificed for our country, our men and women who wear our nation's uniform proudly, who uh, gave the last full measure of devotion to this country. So tomorrow's always a tough day. Um, when I, on September the 11th, I remember I was in 11th grade at Williamsport high school. I was coming out of geometry class and I was walking to second period about 10, 15 or so to German class and I remember um, having the TV on. And then, of course, school was released early that day. And we went home and we stood in front of the television. And uh, I think I was about 15 at the time. So it's, it's, it's been it's, it, it, was, it was a tough time then. And for anyone who lost a loved one, it was a tough time still. So my heart goes out to them. And uh, we continue as this country to prove that we are resilient and when we come together as one and support one another, forget the Democrat, forget the Republican or independent or any of the political crap that divides us. But we as Americans are entirely united when we are, when we stand together for the common purpose of, of pursuing that American dream for Liberty. Um, so with that, I hope you all have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to a minor detail. And again, Find us on the web at aminordetail.com. I am live every Sunday night at 9 o'clock p.m. on blogtalkradio.com slash aminordetail. And we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher Radio, we're on TuneIn and SoundCloud. So keep listening. And that's it. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much.